The last two weeks, we have looked at some different sermons. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we looked at Jesus being the cornerstone, and this past week, we looked at the fact that we are called to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And when we look at those things, when we look at the fact that, that Jesus has called us to be in line with him, to line our lives, align our lives with him, do things his way, and if we're doing that, then we're pointing people in the right direction, in the same direction that he, as the cornerstone, was pointing people, and is pointing people. And, and then going beyond that, if we were to look at last week's sermon, if you remember, we talked about how God has called every single one of us, every single believer, not only are we to be in line with what, what Jesus is in line with, but we are to be a royal priesthood. Every single one of us is to be a minister. Every single person who is a Christian has a responsibility and a role to play in a local church. And it's important to remember those things. And I really encourage you, if you missed the last two weeks, to go back online on our website and listen to the the sermons from the last two weeks. Because it's not only do I believe that 1 Peter hinges on those two sermons, and so it's really important to have those. But I also believe that, that that truth, the entire New Testament hinges on that. That Christ died so that we could live. He was the cornerstone of our faith, the foundation of our faith. He points us in the right direction. And that direction is for all of us to take responsibility for the lives that Jesus has given us in him, and to be cornerstone, not cornerstones, but to be building blocks on top of the cornerstone. And for each one of us to, to play the part that God has called us to play in, in this life. And so with that said, when we finished last week, in verses 11 and 12, we, we, and we see that we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh, that we are to keep ourselves from temptation, from sin, that we, we are to flee temptation to keep ourselves from sin. And we uh, are to do that in a way that not only is it because we love God, but there's also the secondary motivation that it is a, a witness to other people. And so we can say that we love Jesus, but if, we're, if the obedience is not there, it's tough. It's hard. Because if we are followers of Jesus, if we believe with him, with our minds, but that that belief moves to faith and trust in Him with our hearts, then there should also be obedience and action behind that. And if there is no transformation, if there is no obedience, then there might not be a true conversion. You might not be Christian. But if you are a Christian, and if you are one of the building blocks in with on top of that cornerstone, if you are part of the royal priesthood, then we have a responsibility to be like him. And before we get to the sermon itself and the scripture itself, I want to say that one of the things that I'm convicted of over and over and over again, the the more I know, the older I get, the closer I get to Jesus, um, the deeper you dive into Scripture, sometimes you hit things that are just really difficult to understand. I mean, there's some surface-level things that lots of people um, struggle with understanding. But the deeper you go, 
the more convoluted some things seem until you untangle the web and figure out what's going on. It takes some work. And one of the things that I determined early on as a believer is when I'm confused, when I don't know what is true or what a passage is saying or whatever the case might be, I'm going to look to Jesus. And I'm going to look at the life of Jesus. And we can, we can read about the life of Jesus. And I'm going to be like Jesus. And if, or try to, you know, best laid plans. Um, I'm going to strive to be like Jesus. And when, um, when I don't understand something, I'm going to look at it through the lens of who Jesus was. What did Jesus say about that? What did Jesus, how did he do it? And when I was a teenager, you know that uh, WWJD was really popular. What would Jesus do? Um, but I still ask myself that because it's, it is one of the most uh, applicable questions that a Christian can ask when trying to determine direction and, and, and decisions on what the future might hold and decisions on how to obey in, in the present, whatever it is. How would Jesus respond to what you're saying? And the, the passage that we're looking at today, we're going to, it's going to bring up a lot of different things that the different people in this room would respond differently in obedience in different ways because this is such a broad call. And yet, I, I can tell you that if you want to know how you should respond how would Jesus respond? If you want to know how to be this exemplary citizen that we're going to talk about today, then how would Jesus have done it? And we can look back in history and see this. We can look at real examples of when Jesus was alive of how he responded as he did these things. So, if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So I read verses 13 and 14 there. I'm going to go back and look at verse 13 in detail before we move on to 14 and, and further. And what I want to say is this, is that do you remember where these people were? They were... Elect exiles, remember? They were dispersed. They weren't in, in one location. Now, they might have been in one region, but they weren't in a specific town, we don't think anyway. It looks like these, this was written to people who have been scattered. Now, we don't know the exact reason that they've been scattered. Um, it might have been for persecution. It might have been for other reasons. But here's what we know, is that... Um, in Romans 13, we hear a very similar admonition. We hear that Paul is telling us to submit to the governing authorities. And we know that the Roman Christians have been persecuted. So this is for peacetime Christians, wartime Christians. This truth is for Christians across time, in whatever situations, we are, to be, we are to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now listen, we can go, y'all, do y'all know the worst dictators 
in the world. Do you know who I'm talking about? Parents, right? I'm just picking. But ask our kids that, right? They feel that way sometimes. But we can go to the leadership that has been established by God himself, the family, and, and the order of it, and we can see that moms and dads um, are t- to be, they have a responsibility to honor God and to love their children and to lead their children, and they have responsibilities, but children have a responsibility. Do y'all remember the only commandment with a promise? Love the Lord your God. I mean, sorry, that would have been a good one. I mean, there's, there's some promises with that. <laughs> honor your father and mother. Um, man, I set that up and just boom, failed, but anyway... Uh, honor your father and mother, and it, you'll, you'll have a long life, you'll be blessed. So um, we are to look even at the family, and, and we'll get to the governing institutions. We'll get to uh, every human institution, as 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says. But I want to look at the family first. Should children obey their parents? Yes. Almost... Without fail, the answer to that question is yes. Are there rare moments when children shouldn't obey their parents? Yes. And so I want to make this clear and be clear on this, and this is clear throughout the Bible. The people who heard Paul say this would have known that this was clear. Okay? If in in ethics, some people call it the higher law. Okay, if I tell John Michael and Emma to do something that goes against what God has said for them to do, should they disobey me in order to obey God? Yes, because what's the higher law? What I've told them to do or what God has told them to do? What God, so sometimes laws contradict each other, right? Um, this, is, this is clear in our own, uh, just the way that we live our lives, in our own experience. Um, and and this, is, this was clear in Scripture at different times. There were, there were times in the Bible when people had to make choices, all right? Um, just, uh, my, I'm going blank, and this example just came to me. Um, but when the spies, Rahab, okay, there we go, good. My brain's not working like it should this morning. Weird pastor moment. Okay, but when the spies went in to Rahab, um, for her to be a good citizen, she probably should have turned those spies in. Am I correct? But she chose not to. And the reason she chose not to is because she believed that she was doing something that was for God, that this was a higher law. Now we have to be careful. Because what we, think, what we think God might want might not be what God wants. So we really have to prayerfully consider our actions sometimes when it comes to breaking the law, when it comes to breaking rules, whether it be the rules and laws that our parents give us or the rules and laws that our nation gives us. And so almost all the time, the default should be what? Obey the law. But every once in a while, we might see a reason why we can't do that. And, and I just want to take this into account before I spend the rest of the sermon telling you to obey the law, okay? 
uh, it, the scenario given in many uh, books and, and philosophical books or ethic books um, would be this. If, if you were living, and some of you were, but it, let's say you were living during the time of, of Nazi Germany, but you were living in an occupied country. And a Nazi soldier, the Gestapo, knocks on your door, and they say, do you have any Jews in your home? Now, let's say that you felt compelled and convicted by Scripture to protect Jewish people during that time. And let's say that you had four Jewish people hidden under your baseboards and two in your closet. And the German soldier or Nazi soldier asks you that. Now, the law said that you were to turn them over. What would you do? I hope that I've just had some conflict rise up in some of you. Um, hopefully, your, your answer wasn't, oh, no doubt I'm handing them over. I've got to protect my own skin. I hope it was a little more complicated than that. I, hope, I don't know where you arrived with your answer or if you have arriven, arriven, arrived there yet. But uh, I just want to make sure that you understand that we should submit to the governing authorities but when the governing authorities are telling us to do something that goes against God's law and what God has told us to do, we have to obey God's law. I'll give you an example of this. Um, the religious authorities bring John and Peter in. Peter has healed a lame man. And they are trying to figure out, they, they can't kill Peter and John because there's just too much has been happening and and they were afraid what the people might do. So they couldn't kill them. And so uh, they determined that they were going to give them a stern talking to. That, that works in my house all the time. About as well as it did in this case. Um, so Peter and John, they tell, the uh, religious leaders tell them, we're going to let you go, but no more speaking in the name of Jesus. And what was Peter's response? Am I to do what's right in your sight or God's sight? And of course, the answer is God's sight. What if Peter and John would have stopped talking about Jesus because the governing authorities told them to stop talking about Jesus? Well, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? And so, as we move on, as we continue, I want to make sure that it's clear here that everything we're about to read is through the lens of we obey God ultimately but God is the one who puts the governing authorities in position. God is for law and order. He is for that. And, and people who are in authority have a responsibility to listen to God, to obey God, to honor God. And if you don't, you personally will answer to God. We as parents, every form of institution, right? It, whether we are our parents or a boss or a, a political person, um, a politician, whatever you are, whoever you are, you have a responsibility when you have people under you to honor God. Because if you don't, you're answering to God. And guess who's protecting those people who you might not be treating the way that you're supposed to? God. Ultimately, God's going to make all things right. 
And in making all things right, we will have to answer for what we have done. So, I'm going to start over in verse 13 and keep reading. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, here's what's going on, okay? It, if someone wants to come and say something negative about me, that negative thing might be true. But hopefully, if it's an ethical thing, then my character can speak for itself. So if someone accuses me of something that I didn't do, or whatever the case might be, then people are going to automatically think about my past actions. We're going to do that as humans. We're going to go and we're going to look, okay, does this fall in line with the pattern of what's happened before? That's just going to be our default. As Well, I say that. For reasonable, logical people, a lot of times it's just on the internet, so it's true, and we just jump to that conclusion that's true. Don't fall for that. Don't be like that. We've got to grow past that as a society. But what we need to do is make sure that we are living lives that are honorable, that people can notice that we are people who love Jesus, who do the right thing, so that if anything ever is said about us, our character will speak for itself. And that's what they're saying here in verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Verse 16, live as people who are free, because we are free in Christ, we're not held to the law anymore. We don't have to uh, submit to the law. So live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We're free from having to follow the law and obey it perfectly, but we're not free from loving God and loving our neighbors. We're not free to just do whatever we want regardless of the consequences. Now, God, if, we are truly, if we're truly saved and we have a relationship with him, then whatever we do will be covered by the blood of Christ, just as Elizabeth sang earlier. But what we have to make sure we understand is that if a transformation has truly taken place in our heart, if we truly have a love and a relationship with God, then we're not going to want to continue to sin. We're not going to want to continue to live in evil. And so, yes, we've been freed from the law, But what have we been freed for? What is this freedom for? And the freedom is for us to live passionate, wholehearted lives for God that is an example to the people around us that we have a relationship with Him, that we love Him, that we worship Him, that we honor Him, and they should want the same. And we should live lives that make people want to know Jesus. And this covers every aspect of our life, even our politics. Honor everyone, verse 17. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, we we live in America. We don't have an emperor. We have a president elected by the people. We live in a democracy or a democratic republic. We have the, uh, uh, not just the freedom to disagree with who is in power, but we are encouraged to think for ourselves 
in the society, well, maybe not the society, but the way that things were founded in our country, and to vote for the person that we believe is best fit to lead our country. We're free to do that. And so I can have uh, disagreements with our current president, but that does not mean I get to dishonor our current president. I can be politically opposed to some of the things that he is doing, and yet I am to love him and to pray for him and to follow the laws of this land as long as they're not contradicting God's law. And some of you are like, yeah, amen, amen. So let me rewind a few years. Our former president, I can disagree with our former president when he was in office. I could. And I could have a difference of politics with our former president. But it was my responsibility to love him, to honor him, to pray for him. It was my responsibility as a Christian to want what was best for him because, according to God, not according to his desires, but God's desires, because what's best for him is best for the people. And let's go back before that to Bush. I'm not going to go back a thousand presidents. I've only had, I think, four presidents, Clinton, Bush, Obama. Yeah, I've only had four presidents in my adult life. So, um, sorry for some of you who are just doing the math, and it was like eight um, or more. But the thing is, is that whoever our president was, we could disagree with their politics and honor them at the same time. But that's not what I see. That's not what I saw when Obama was president, and that's not what I see now with Trump as president. All I see... Not all I see, but I see a lot of people who degrade both men. I see a lot of people who w- don't hesitate to throw either under the bus. And that can't be where we are. We have to honor them, and we can disagree with them, but we have to honor them, and we have to give the office the respect that it deserves. And we have to obey the law. Now, continuing and getting to our conclusion... Verse 18, servants. Now, this is more like household servants. This, this term here isn't necessarily like slaves as in uh, slaves of the Roman Empire or something like that. This is more household servants. So maybe you could apply this more today to being an employee, not that it's equal, um, but a, a more common experience than the other. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Because some of you were just thinking when I was talking about our presidents, yeah, but they're wrong. That's none of your concern, unless they're telling you to do something that is unbiblical. Then it's your concern. Our job is to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Our job is to do what we are supposed to do. And, and look, You can disagree with what I'm saying, but read this. Read Romans 13. Look at how Jesus lived his life. When he went to Pilate, he could have done a number of things to disregard Pilate's authority. But he said, ultimately, what Pilate was doing was that authority was given to him by whom? 
I got. And so we have to remember that we are to, to be obedient. Let's go back to the, the household. We are to be obedient to our parents, even if, do I need to go get the kids from Children's Church to come in here? We need to be obedient to our parents, even if our parents aren't that great of people. We are to obey them because it's the way that God has set society in order. Now, if they're telling us to do something that is against God's law, that would harm us in, in some way, in a, in a way that goes against God's desires, then that might be a different story. But it doesn't mean that they have to be the most honorable people in your mind. If God has given them the position of authority, we should respect the position. Verse 19. And by the way, again, we live in a democracy. You can't vote your parents out of office, but you can vote your politicians out of office, right? Okay, verse 19. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering justly. Okay, so it's a gracious thing when, when we're mindful of God, when we're doing what God desires, that one endures sorrows while suffering justly. Um, how many of you, I used to mow yards when I was a teenager, and I, I would push mow. I was push mowing rich people's yards, and I was hand-picking leaves out of ivy and stuff like that. And it was a really hard job, it was, especially when it was 105 degrees in that delta heat with 100% humidity, and it just wanted to die. But when I was mowing those yards, um, I was suffering, but boy, when I got that paycheck, I was suffering for a cause, right? Now, when we suffer, let, let me actually read this next verse before I say this. For what credit is it? Verse 20, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So if you get in trouble for doing wrong, that's just what happens, right? That's just the consequences of your action. But if you are submitting to the governing authorities and you are being persecuted or you're being treated wrong in some way, and yet you are obeying the law, and you are suffering for that, then you will be rewarded by God. And you're doing it for God. Just like I was mowing those yards, not for my health, for a paycheck. We are suffering in our current circumstances, not just to suffer, but for God's glory, for God's sake. And when we are doing this, we can all think about how unfair it is that certain people don't obey the law or certain people don't do this or certain people don't get this or whatever the case might be. But all that worrying is not going to get us anywhere because what matters is me and you. We have to obey what God has told us to do. We have to su submit ourselves to the governing authorities. And if we look back 2,000 years ago, if, if Jesus, if God himself submitted himself to the governing authorities, then Philip, who I'm no one, can submit myself to the governing authorities. And so this sermon, very different than the last two sermons. The last two sermons, a lot of us left out of here ready to conquer the world. But we can't have those two sermons without this sermon. 
Because if we think we can do whatever we want and the freedom that we have been given is freedom to do whatever we want, then we're mistaken. Because there's a context of the freedom that we have been given. We're free from sin. We're free from the consequences of sin. We're not going to go to hell if we have a relationship with Jesus. Those things are true. But we have been saved for a purpose. We have been saved to do things God's way. And this is part of God's way. And we can't divorce what God desires for us to do from the context in which he wants us to do it. And we, as Americans, have rules. And we have men and women who have given their lives in order for us to have the freedoms that we have. We have men and women who are still serving overseas right now in order for us to have these freedoms. And so we need to respect the people that are in authority, and we need to make sure that we are also respecting the men and the women who are defending our country. And so can we disagree with some of the politics and even some of the foreign politics and all of that? Absolutely. Have your own opinions. Form those opinions. Um, let Scripture mold you and guide you and shape you and your opinions uh, into what God would desire. Do all that, but let's do it in a way that honors Him. Let's pray.